to hear it. It's good to encourage each other with it. And so uh, before we get into the message, I, I just have some things I want to cover. Um, first and foremost, I do want to say to anybody who chose to stay home and they're watching online, I'm, I'm so glad that you have this opportunity to join us online. We're super glad that you can do that. Um, we're praying for you. It, we certainly hope that you're all doing well. And uh, man, we, we want for you to have a clear conscience and, and be able to do whatever you need to do to connect, stay connected with First Baptist Church, even if you don't feel comfortable showing up in the building. And, and that's totally fine. Uh, so whether you're FBC members and you're watching and connecting that way, or whether you're not FBC members and you just decide to tune in today, we're glad you're here. And uh, we're glad that you're able to listen and stay with us. Now, uh, Andy mentioned earlier 2 Timothy 1.7. And uh, if you have been with us through the REACH conference, that was Arion's final message. And if you didn't by chance get to be with us for those messages, and most certainly the last one, the Tuesday evening message, all those are available on our Facebook page as well, and, or I mean on our, our website as well anyway, or through our uh, YouTube page. And uh, it is 2 Timothy 1.7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And, and Arion preached a great message on that. I'm not going to preach on that. I just want, I just want to remind you that Fear is common in times like this, and, and that God defines fear as a spirit. And, and you just need to recognize that because that's kind of the subject of the day. Panic and fear is kind of the subject of the day, and there's good reason why people should be concerned. There's no question about it, but the idea is this, that fear typically comes from the unknown. So the idea that there can be people among us that are infected, but they feel fine and they're among us, well, we don't know that. We, it's different. Like in the Bible, there was leprosy. Well, you knew if somebody was a leper, stay away from them. You don't know if somebody... And so the unknown causes uncertainty. And when there's something out there that we don't know, we can't define, well, then that causes fear. But the good news is, is that we're connected to the Lord, and the Lord knows everything, right? He's all-knowing in all things. And so as a result, he gives us his word, and he gives us his word to prepare us for things like that. So Jesus pre-warns us in a lot of different ways, one of which is Matthew 10, 28, which Jesus said, and fear not them which kill the body. So don't, don't worry about that. But they're not able to kill the soul. But fear, rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, don't, don't fear a virus, for example, that maybe for some could actually even kill the body, but rather fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. That, that's what he wants us to do. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, and I know that has a specific context in chapter 1 and verse 18, but God says, come now and let us reason together. And you know, this idea of not having a spirit of fear, but having the spirit of a sound mind is a, is a spirit of being reasonable. And God calls us all to reason together and instead of panic. I want us just to be people of faith. Let's use reason, let's use common sense, but certainly let's exercise faith. And so here's my advice to you. You ready for this? It's twofold. Wash and pray. You like that? Wash and pray. Of course, we'll play on words there. Uh, the Bible actually says watch and pray in Matthew 26, 14, 41, excuse me, where it says watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. But notice what it says with watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's the condition that we're in, right? I mean, our, our spirit desires to walk by faith and to trust the Lord and to nevertheless, at the same time, we, we have flesh and our flesh is weak and concerned about things, and, and that makes perfect sense. And so even in the context of watch and pray, or in our current crisis, wash is a good idea, and pray, both of those, watching or washing, deal with the physical perspective, don't they? They deal with your physical awareness. It deals with your common sense and taking precautionary measures and all the things that we've already heard about. But the pray part, the pray deals with your spiritual awareness, doesn't it? It deals with the idea that you can trust God with your circumstances. So a lot of people have been quoting the same verses. If 
you're on Facebook, if you're listening to people, if you're talking to people, a lot of, our, a lot of God's people are going to the same places in the Scripture, which only makes sense because God said some very profound things in times like this. And, well, a lot of people understand that and end up at the same place. And one of them is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So be careful for nothing. Be full of care. Some people might say, well, being full of care is, well, that's worry. That's anxiety. What does God say? Don't be worried about anything. Don't have anxiety over anything. But rather, I'll tell you what you should do. Instead of not worrying about anything, in everything, pray. In everything, pray. And so by prayer, and he makes it a little more clear, and he says, and supplication. Well, supplication is prayer for others. And we'll talk more about that before this morning's over. But the idea is, while it's so easy for all of us to be concerned about ourselves first and foremost, and I understand that, I think there's something to also not forgetting to pray for others and having our focus outward as well. And then it goes on and it says, with thanksgiving. Now that's tough. I mean, can we really pray with thanksgiving through a difficult time that our whole world is going through? Well, that's what he says that we should do. Don't be full of worry and care and anxiety, but pray about everything with supplications and thanksgiving, we'll pray to God. And what will happen if we do that? The peace of God. Well, peace is the thing that will calm your fears, isn't it? The peace of God, which man can't even understand. You see, church, this is a time for the church to be the church. This is a time for us to actually exercise the things that we have been saying we believe. And we actually believe that we believe. But whether you really believe or not will be manifest in how you respond and react in your life. Again, wash and pray. We need to be able to do all these things. And it says that kind of a peace passes human understanding. And what God will do is he will keep your hearts and your minds. He'll keep your thoughts clear. He'll keep your emotions balanced, right, through Christ Jesus. Biblically, the opposite of fear is faith. That's what it is. And so one of the precious promises in the Word of God is Isaiah 26.3. It says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So I like to look at challenges in life and things that we go through, and I've been through a number of them in my life, as I'm sure you have as well, that every new challenge is a new opportunity to exercise our faith and to trust the Lord. That's what it is. And if you view it that way, it'll help you. So the question for us all to consider is, do you really trust God in every single detail of your life? Well, the circumstances that we are going through is a good, it will be a good test of that. But a lot of us are going to apply these principles of caution. A lot of us are going to have social distancing. A lot of us are going to stay home more than we used to stay home and school kids are home and certain places are closed and different things are going on like that. And so while you're home more, let me just encourage you to read the scriptures more. Just spend more time with the Lord and, and you don't necessarily have to have the news on every minute. You'll get the big updates. You will. You don't have to read every minute's latest Facebook feed. You can spend time with the Lord. And get comfort from God's word because there are some precious promises. And I'm just going to give you a couple more. 1 Peter 5, 7 should be on the tip of your tongue. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. 2 Timothy 1, 12, the second part of the verse says, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He started our new life in Christ, and he's going to keep it. And that's a great promise. 
And maybe the greatest promise that we often go to in our lives is Romans 8, 28, that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God that are the called according to his purpose. And, you know, when things are going good, it's easy to say amen to that, isn't it? But do we really, really believe that all things work together for good even when things don't seem to be very good? He doesn't say all things are good. He says they work together for good. Well, that's a promise. Even today, it's a promise. It's just as true today as it was a week ago, as it was a year ago, it was 100 years ago, or 2000 when it was written. So my challenge and encouragement to you today is just to ask yourself this question. How's your faith doing these days? Uh, starting in a couple of weeks, we're going to jump into a new Bible book study. We're going to jump into the book of 2 Corinthians, and it'll probably take us a year to finish the book, and by the time we get to the end of the book, we're going to finally come across this verse right here. So a year from now, I'll remind you of this principle in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, where it says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Put your own selves to the test as to whether or not you're actually in the faith. Actually, I think we have a good opportunity to prove that right now. And that's great, and that's fine, and you say, okay, and I, you know, I'm all for that. But when you leave and when you go home, if truly deep down in your heart and soul you are still very fearful for your health and maybe you're fearful for your life, I don't know, can I, can I just lovingly ask you, are, are you sure that you're saved? Are you sure that you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? I mean, this is not, I'm not trying to manipulate an emotion, I'm just trying to have you consider the fact that if there's this kind of fear about your life coming to an end possibly, do you know what's on the other side for you? Because you can. And the Lord offers that to all of us, right? And if you have that assurance, well, rest in that, right? You can rest in that. I mean, at the end of the day, isn't it true all through the scriptures that eternal life is more important than temporal life? Of course it is. And you say, well, I'm okay for me, but man, I'm concerned about my loved ones. They may not know the Lord, and I'm concerned about them. Well, you should be concerned about them. Have you considered evangelism? I mean, really, now is, is now not maybe one of the greatest opportunities in our recent history that we could share the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord with others? I mean, how mad are they really going to get when you're caring for their soul? I think that if the church will be the church, and if we'll rise up and with supplications ask God to use us to help people see a difference that passes their level of understanding and we share the gospel with people, we might just see some fruit from it and rejoicing in heaven. But for the born-again Christian, we have the blessed hope. We have the assurance of eternity, right? And so there's some places like Romans 8, chapter 8 and verse number 11 where it says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you... He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We have complete and total guarantee of eternity. And 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8 says, Therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith now, right, not by sight, it says, we're confident, I say, notice this, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Who could make such a statement except a born-again Christian with eternal security? Only a born-again Christian with eternal security can say, you know, I'm not rushing to that day, but you know what, at the end of the day, what's the life on the other side is so much better than the life on this side anyway. I'm confident of that and even willing. So, man, God is here to comfort our hearts. And in the meantime, while we have some restrictions, in the meantime, while all sporting events are shut down and all the professional leagues and we, us guys have anything to watch and you ladies who like that thing have nothing to watch and all these things are happening, let's just, let's just embrace it. Let's just adjust our priorities. Let's just... Take advantage. You maybe can't go do all of the extracurricular activities that you used to enjoy doing that caused you to get really up close and do a sporting event or whatever your thing is close to other people. And man, just, just adjust. It's only temporary. This too will pass, right? 
We'll still be around on the other side. There's plenty of time for that later. But for now, while the Lord is stripping away some of the things that keep us so preoccupied, could we at least consider the possibility that the Lord will use such circumstances to teach us some very important things? Wouldn't it be a good perspective to have that perspective? Wouldn't it be a good perspective to consider that now that we have some extra time on our hands and some space away from not even being able to go do some of the things that took up all the minutes of our day, wouldn't it be a good opportunity just to say, hey, now we don't really have the excuse to say we're too busy to really lean into and focus on God's mission. And let's just take this time and do that. I think that that'll be a great encouragement. Okay, so with that in mind, that's kind of my word of encouragement for you all. And I know the time's getting away from us. I do have a whole sermon. But, you know, we can't really go nowhere else. I mean, a lot of folks are at home. Just, you're in your living room. You know, we got a whole sermon. And what my intention for today was as far as preaching is doing a wrap-up and a focus as a result of our REACH conference. So it really is a missions focus. And I think it's appropriate even in the current day and the details we're living through. Because what I want us to consider today is, what exactly can I do? Each of us can ask this question. What exactly can I do to participate in God's great commission? I mean, we just spent several days this last week talking about how important that is. And obviously, some people can do more. And some people will do less. But everybody can do something, amen? Everybody can do something. And I do generally, as a rule, think the best practical way to relieve stress and panic and worry and anxiety is to quit focusing on ourselves and to focus more on the needs of others. And if you're so dialed into meeting the needs of others, well, you don't really have time to worry about you. Oh, yeah, but we cast our care on him because he cares for us. Yeah, I remember that. As the pastor of a church, I, I often hear the brethren come and make statements to me that begin like this. You know, the church ought to fill in the blank with whatever it is they wish were happening. And their favorite ministry idea. And, and that's cool. I, yes, generally speaking, I would say, yes, I agree with your idea of what the church ought to do. But only if you're willing to agree that we are the church. The church is not just the staff. We together are the church, right? And if you were to offer such a suggestion about what the church ought to do, and if your suggestion was with the intention, I mean you, not me. <laughs> well, then I, I don't agree. But if we'll do something together, well, then maybe we, maybe we can see something happen. So if we take that idea into the context of the Great Commission, what if our church collectively as a body played the role of the missionary? We're talking about missions. What if the church played the role of the missionary? You see, the collective body, this is an important thing. In the Old Testament was Israel. The collective body of believers of God's people was Israel. And Israel was the body that was to reach the world. In the New Testament, it's the church. The collective body of the church is given the Great Commission. Not just a few disciples in Matthew 28. It's given to the church. And what you need to understand, and we've seen this before, is this is in your notes, the corporate body of God's people behaves like one person. Well, we studied numbers and all of that going through, and we saw Exodus 4.22, where God says, this is Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So the corporate body of Israel is called singularly my son. In the New Testament, there's a lot of references. I chose Ephesians 5, 30 to 32, where it says, For we are members of his body. We, church, are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so the church is compared to the singular body of Christ, the singular bride of Christ, 
and the church is to be the vehicle through which God will reach this world. But what about our church? What about First Baptist Church in New Philadelphia, Ohio? I mean, let's make it personal. I mean, if we're not going to make it a personal, I mean, it's just theory then, right? What? It's just philosophy. It doesn't matter. I mean, what would we expect to do? We, right here in this room, we watching by extension today, what would we expect to do to help fulfill the Great Commission in this generation right now? So that the title of the message today is FBC as the Missionary. That's what I want us to consider. It's really not a long message, but I think it's really important for us to understand because God has a will for our lives, and his will is revealed in his word. And his will for our lives as far as service to him is summed up very clearly, very simply, it's the Great Commission. That's his will for our lives. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. But he also has a plan for any particular individual, and in this case, for any particular church, to fulfill his will. And so God has a plan for this church and how this church will participate to fulfill his general will, which is the Great Commission. And his plan for this church may not be the same as his plan for a different church. And the reason is, is because this church is made up of all of us, and somebody else's church is made up of all of them. And any particular church is the summation of all of its parts, right? It's the corporate body of all the individual members. And so you need to consider each of your roles as individuals because to the extent that each of us individually choose to participate in God's mission will by default determine the extent at which First Baptist Church as a corporate body will choose to participate in God's Great Commission. Amen? Does that make sense? So if, if you happen to be among the people who might say, well, I'm a part of the church, but I'm not doing that. You all do that. Okay, you have the freedom to disobey and rebel and not follow the leading of... That's fine. If you happen to be in that category, you, this is for you all, not me. But, but I would suggest that if that happens to be anybody listening, that that person who might say that then has no right to complain that the church isn't doing more. Because we are the church. Does that make sense? Is that fair? You see, it's my job as your pastor, as the shepherd of this body, to lead the entire body of the church to move forward in our obedience to the Lord, taking into consideration that in the corporate body of this church, there are some people who are very mature and very experienced and some who are brand new and just learning. Together, we make up the body that is our church, and as a singular body of believers, the body of Christ here in New Philadelphia, under the guidance of its head, not me, Jesus Christ, the head of the body, First Baptist Church will respond to God's command to participate in his mission. But today is about each of you deciding what you will do as an individual to contribute to the overall corporate emphasis and corporate impact that we can have as a church. Does that make sense? Let me just pray really quickly just to kind of get us ready for three quick points that we'll go through. Lord Jesus, as each of us consider our individual roles, I pray that you will just make it clear to us and burden our hearts about what, let me, let me say it this way, what I can do. What would you have me to do, Lord Jesus, to contribute and I know I'm not contributing alone. I know I'm contributing together with my brothers and sisters. But my role is important to you. And I want to please you. So please make it clear to me as we consider these things together. Thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer in advance. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, the first thing we're going to look at is FBC as the sender. FBC is the sender. And I do believe that this is a very important role that God has for the American church today. I mean, the Great Commission today is primarily funded by North America. Uh, there's, there's tremendous amount of wealth and prosperity in North America in 2020, and God 
will use us and the gifts and the blessings he's given us so that we can then pass it on and the gospel can get to the very ends of this earth. It's, it's an important thing. So in Galatians 3.29, we're referred to spiritually as the children of Abraham. Not physically, spiritually. We are the spiritual children of Abraham being a man who responded in faith. But we are called the children of Abraham. And as, as such, we are like Abraham, very blessed, but with a purpose. And that purpose is we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Amen? Not just to hoard it for ourselves. And some of the things that the world has demonstrated, how the shelves of the stores, because everybody's hoarding for themselves. That's what the world does. But we're not like that, right? We're going to be different. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing. So in Genesis 12, Abram, from the very beginning, got this clarification from the Lord. Genesis 12, 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall notice all families of the earth be blessed. So this particular blessing on Abraham was then going to be such that he would then take the blessing and be a blessing that ultimately extends to all the families of the earth. All the families of the earth, well, that would be missions, wouldn't it? That would be missions. And the truth of the matter is, if we're looking at funding the mission from North America, it's the easiest step of all. Uh, the next two steps get harder, okay? This, this, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy to sacrifice and give more. But it's the easiest of the three. I'll guarantee you that, right? So simply stated, what are we asking you to do? We're asking you to give your treasure. That's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to give to missions, but we're asking you to give to missions only after you're faithfully giving to the church as a tithe. And so this is the way that it's set up. We know that whatever God orders, he'll pay for, right? And, and God has all the money that he needs. It just so happens that a lot of it is located in our bank accounts. And he intends to pay for whatever he orders. Oh, and he will pay for what he orders. But he wants to pay for it out of our pockets. That's what he wants. It's for our benefit to participate. If you refuse and if you hoard, that's your privilege. You can do that. It's to your detriment. And God will find somebody else. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. But man, he wants to include you. He wants to include me, and it's just not that hard to help fund something. It's just not. And it is very important. It's a very important role. Somebody has to do it. The impoverished nations of this world are not positioned to be able to do it. We are uniquely positioned to be able to do this one thing. And you need to see it that way. You need to see that, God, it's, it's not by your greatness that you were born in the United States of America. You were just born in the United States of America, and you enjoy what you enjoy. But God is no respecter of persons, and he requires some things of us, and he requires other things of other people. And we are uniquely positioned to be able to carry out this particular command. We have the wealth. We have the excess. We have the abundance. So he wants us to give. So what we're asking you to do, and, and that is to, to fill out this faith, promise, missions, giving card. You would have received it throughout the conference. If you haven't received one and you need more, you can check at the counter on the way out. If we don't have them at the counter, we'll get more to you. I've explained this during the conference, but simply stated, I want to just say that this is what we would ask from you. And the bottom portion is perforated so you can tear it off. And we want you to fill out the bottom little portion and place it in the offering plate at the end of the service. I'll explain how we're going to do that in a minute. And keep this part for your own records. And this is where you'll just record how much you're committing by faith to give to the Lord towards the missions budget of First Baptist Church. I'm not here to harass you about that. Before the Lord, pray and decide by faith what you think he would like to give through your family. And then you would put that amount on here. 
and there's no place for your name. Nobody's going to bug you about it. It's between you and God, right? But we're asking you to do that. It's a step of faith. And I would say you can do it, and by doing it, put God to the test. I've never done such a thing. That seems kind of extreme. Well, test God out. See, see if he'll come through. I mean, why don't you just try it? So we've got a reference to the, this very idea in both the Old Testament and the New. So in the Old Testament, we go to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, where it says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And notice what he says, And prove me now herewith. Go ahead and give and see if I won't take care of you. Saith the Lord of hosts, If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall be not be room enough to receive it. You be faithful in taking the step of faith and giving first, and I'll be faithful and make sure I take care of you. That's what he said. You say, oh, that's the Old Testament. Okay, great. Let's go to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This will probably be about September by the time we get back to this spot. The context is giving in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. I mean, don't, I mean, don't be mad about it. And don't feel like anybody's twisting your arm to do it. This is your statement of faith, right? Just as how much you want to give, give as much as you want. As he purposes in his heart, let him give. Why? For God loveth the cheerful giver. You know what else God loves? God loves it when we act by faith. Hebrews 11:6. without faith it's impossible to please him. Your giving should be by faith, and then it can be cheerful, right? And what's going to happen if that happens? Well, verse 8, and God is able. Notice, I want you to notice, God is able to make some grace abound toward you. Is that what he said? No, all grace to abound toward you, that ye sometimes, having some sufficiency. No, it doesn't say that. Always, having all sufficiency. You get in the track? In all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. This is the spiritual equivalent of what physically was going on in Malachi 3. That's what we see here. And you'll say, well, okay, I live in America and all, but life's expensive and my job's not that good and I don't really have that much money. Okay, that's fine. But here's the principle I want you to understand by faith, and this is in your notes. God will give much more through you than he will ever give to you. You know, there's some people who have a lot because they're lying and cheaters and they're corrupt and they steal money. Okay, there's some people like that, but generally I'd say we're not those people, right? But some people are very successful in their businesses. Some people are, are, are very blessed and, and they've received much and others not so much. Is it possible that maybe they keep getting more because God has proven them to be faithful and they're also very generous? You wouldn't know it. They wouldn't want you to know it and it's none of your business. It's none of my business. But sometimes you'll find that even though God may say, you live at a fine level, you're very comfortable where you're at, at whatever, however you judge it. But God can, when you make a statement of faith and say, I want, Lord, to give this much to your mission, you may find income starting to come your way that you never understood. And God will give it through you where he would never give it to you just to keep yourself to build bigger barns and bigger houses and faster cars and newer boats and more recreational activities to take more time away from him. Why would he do that? But if you become a channel of his blessings, that what he gives to you, you give to others, he's like, oh man, I need to pour more down on that guy because he's spreading it out. He'll give more through you than he'll ever give to you. It's really an issue of contentment, isn't it? And just know this, your faithful giving to First Baptist Church's missionary fund, it allows you to personally partner together with all that First Baptist Church does for missions. You become a personal partner with all of these things that we do, each and every missionary that we send support to. 
all of the missions trips that we take and help fund, all of the special gifts we give to, to the missionaries and to their ministries, all the special ways we raise money and give to building buildings and purchasing vehicles and buying supplies and all the things, you're a part of that. To whatever level you sow, you will reap. That's what it says. And if you can't do any of the other things that we're going to look at in just a minute, you can do this. You can. You can do this. You see, there's this principle in the Scriptures, and it's this. We've talked about it before. Your treasure leads your heart. You're like, well, okay, man, I get it, but I'm just kind of not into it. You know, once I, once I start feeling it, then I'll start doing it. No, you got it backwards. Start doing it, and then you'll start feeling it. That's how it works. That's why Matthew 6, 21 is written, for where your treasure is first, there will your heart be also. Your heart follows your treasure. Y'all panicking about the stock market? Y'all paying attention to your stocks more than you've ever paid attention before? Why? Because you've put treasure there. Oh, man, it's going to crash. Oh, I'm getting close. Man, I'm in my late 50s. Retirement's around the corner. All my money's going to be gone. Ah! Okay, I get it. I mean, things are going to happen. Is God still in control? Did he not know? Is that? It is whatever it is. You make your moves. I'm not a financial advisor, okay? You do what you think you need to do. I'm just saying your heart, it's proven. I'm just proving God's word. Your heart follows your treasure. Invest in the kingdom of God. Guess where your heart's going to go? It's going to follow your treasure. So you start with your treasure, and then you let God work on your heart, okay? So that's the first step. That's the easiest step, right? I really hope every single one of you will participate. I hope you young people will participate. I hope teenagers will participate. You, you have something available to you that you can give. All right, the next step's a bit harder, okay? Uh, FBC as the goer, the one who actually moves, obviously requires significant more personal involvement than just funding others that are going. We meet missionaries, we agree with them, we like them, we decide to fund them. That's important, that's good. But this is you getting up and moving. This is big. But actually, there's several ways that the church collectively can be a goer. And the first one is take a short-term trip. Just take a, take a short-term missions trip, one, two-week trip somewhere. Go somewhere and see what's going on. I mean, you could leverage your particular skill. Maybe there's a work trip and you have skills in labor and different things. Maybe whatever it might be. You're working with kids. We're doing camps, whatever it is. Because there's some principles of the Scripture in Lamentations 3.51, for example, where it says, my eye affects my heart. We just heard that my wallet affects my heart. Your eye affects your heart. In other words, we have this saying, right? Out of sight, out of mind. So what the Lord is saying, hey, go take a trip. And see the rest of the world. That's what he says in John 4, 35. Lift up your, your eyes and look on the fields. They're white already to harvest. When you see it for yourself, it's no longer out of sight, and that means it's no longer out of mind. And it affects your heart. I think every one of you that's physically able should prayerfully consider going on a mission trip at some point. I think you should do it. But there's also the ultimate step, and that's vocational, career, church planting, missionary, and pastor. And certainly far fewer people will actually do this, uh, but they can. I mean, maybe you're dreaming about, what if, what if it could be me? Well, let me just encourage you with Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Our vision as a church is that God would have our people from First Baptist Church surrender to go and to serve the Lord in new places, to multiply this ministry in new locations around the world. We want to see them trained here because we can do that. We want to see them proven here because this is as good of a laboratory as anywhere that they can be proven in the laboratory of life of this local church. And we want them to be sent from here. Why is that? Because God's word commands us to go. That's why. And we want to be obedient as the missionary. That's what we want to do. So what are the references? Well, it's all the Great Commission verses. And I gave you four of them. You could say there's more. 
In Matthew 28, go ye therefore and teach all the nations. Mark 16, go ye into all the world. Luke 24, 47, that repentance is preached right among all nations. And in Acts 1, 8, we're going to be witnesses both in Jerusalem and ultimately to the ends of the earth. So that means we're going to be here and we're going to be there. FBC gets to be the missionary that sends and FBC gets to be the missionary that also goes. Dependent upon each of your response. So we as the visible body of Christ here in New Philadelphia, we want to obey that command. We as a body want to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ knowing that we did what we were commanded to do. Amen. And certainly not everyone's going to go. A lot of you will never leave, and that's fine. But some will, and some should. And maybe it's you. Maybe you're listening today, and maybe you know it's you. And typically, I like to encourage the young adults, the, the kids coming up through school, the teenagers that are finishing high school, the young adults that typically sitting on this side, they're considering. You've got those of you that have more years of your life ahead of you than you do behind you. Can I just ask you the question, what is it that you really want to throw your life at? What is it that you really want to spend the lion's share of your adult life doing? Something of value, something greater than yourself, something that matters. And if God is stirring your heart in that area, man, we, we want to help you with that. So the first step was give your treasure. That's actually pretty easy, but this step's harder. This is give your all. Give your all. You know, when we have Memorial Day and we talk about the soldiers that have given their lives, one of the statements that's often said is, all gave some, but some gave all. Well, that's kind of the situation we're looking at, right? Everybody can give something, but some people, some people are going to give everything. Some people are going to give everything. And some of you are praying about how the Lord could use you in a foreign context. And if you feel like the Lord is tugging on your heart to surrender it all, and to prepare and to position your life to go as a career missionary, you need to tell us about it because we want to help you. Let me ask it this way. This is the way it was challenged to me many years ago when I was in your position. I was a young believer, and I was sitting in church, and I actually used to sit like right about here. I'm not trying to point at anybody, but that's kind of about three rows back on this side is where I used to sit. And I'll never forget. The idea was, do you believe, here's the challenge, do you believe that God could use you? You, sir, you, ma'am. Do you believe God could use you as much as he's ever used anybody in the history of the world? Is God able to do that? Well, theologically, you have to say yes. Practically, you're nervous. But the truth of the matter is the only thing hindering that is you. The only thing hindering that is you. Now, I'm not saying that's God's plan for each individual. I'm just saying that's something to consider, right? Do you have enough faith to believe that statement? I did. I'm not saying I nailed it. I'm just saying I had enough faith to believe it. But I want you to understand something. I know you're looking at your notes. There's a ton of blanks, right? We're going to fly right through them here real quick. A call to missions is a call to preparation. We've said this before. A call to missions is a call to preparation. If you feel that tug on your heart, if you say, I'm ready to give all, if you say, I want to be a part of this, I want to do it, man, sign me up. Here's the part that the young person who's enthusiastic who says, sign me up, doesn't like. As soon as you say, I'm ready to go, and then Pastor Jeff says, okay, wait. You're not quite ready. God bless your enthusiasm. You're not quite ready. We're going to prove you out. It's going to take some time. You need to be prepared. But if you're really serious you'll understand that you're surrendering to the process of becoming prepared. And that process is for your benefit. And by the way, your pastors love you and want to help you in that and not set you up for failure by sending you out before you're ready. So you can start to position your life now for a lifetime investment in eternity. So here's some practical steps. All these little things. Get your pencils ready? Because we're going fast. Maybe you don't even care to write them down. It's your business. We'll go fast. The first thing is prepare your life. You prepare your life through personal holiness. If you love God, that means you hate sin. If you hate sin, that means you hate all of it, not just the ones you don't do. You hate the ones you do do. Yeah, that sounded funny. 
If you love God, you hate sin. Be holy. Uh, personal finances. You need, to get your, you need to get your finances in order. You need to be a faithful tither. You need to give to missions. You need to work towards becoming debt-free. You need to exercise discipline in your life. Maybe you need to take uh, the financial peace course that we offer every year. Maybe you need to learn how to organize your family budget. But you need to get your finances in line. That's something you could start doing right now. Your personal testimony. Uh, your, your life as it is seen by others at work and in the community. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says you abstain from all appearance of evil. You live your life above the fray. You need to prioritize your family. You need to start setting your family issues in order. Do you rule well your own home if you're the man of the house? Are you the spiritual leader of your home if you're the man of the house? If, if you're the woman of the house, are you leading your children towards godliness? I mean, are you doing these things? You can do that today, right? Uh, how about your proper education? Well, we have an educational path available for you. Are you participating in personal discipleship and ministry tools and training and Living Faith Bible Institute? If not, why not? Or you say, well, I, I'm just getting started. Okay, great. Sign up and be prepared for the long haul. I mean, let's get this thing done. You need to know what you're doing. Prepare your life, right? And then there's some other things, and we just call that preparing your habits. Preparing your habits. And, and, and listen, we'll go through this quick, but I'd say love the Bible. I mean, if you don't love God's Word, I mean, really love it. You read it and you study it and you actually have a relationship with, if I can say a book, with God, yes, but through this book. You love getting up in the morning and reading and spending time with Him. You love when He has something to say to you. If, if you're not a lover of God's Word, don't be a missionary. <laughs> don't do it. Spare those people. They don't deserve it. Uh, how about love foreigners? How about we don't get too overly politicized about foreigners entering our country and let's just love them in the gospel? How about we start to notice them as people for whom Christ died? How about we love discipleship? How about we so structure our lives such that we are always discipling somebody? You say, well, I'm brand new. I'm just being discipled. Okay, great. But as soon as you're done, we're signing you up unless you say no. If you say no, well, then, well, that's sin. But, you know, you're probably not going to be a good missionary. <laughs> Love discipleship. How about this one? You ready? This is good. Live simpler. Live simpler. Learn to live now with less. Good practice. Start giving more of it away. Okay, you can read the books on minimalism, and you can take it as far as you want to or not. That's your business, okay? But how about you begin to slowly eliminate some of your long list of recreational activities. Maybe you've got four big activities you love doing. How about you just make it three? Well, I've only got three. I'm already good. How about you make it two? How about you take that extra time that you've been spending with all of your guns and all of your golf clubs and all of your fishing rods or whatever it is you like doing, and you just back off a little, and you live simpler, and you focus on the mission. You know, that's something you can do today, by the way, and I think there might be a Heavenly Father watching. And just addict yourself to the ministry more than your pleasure. Uh, the next one, solve problems. Start learning how to solve problems all by yourself. Uh, thankfully, we have a lot of friends who help us through things and all that. That's fine. But if ultimately you're going to live someplace far away all by yourself, you're going to have to start figuring out stuff by yourself. So start learning how to do things on your own, and that's actually a whole other conversation. I would say study preaching. Uh, there's certain preachers you like, and there's certain ones that you don't, and start asking yourself why. What is it about that guy that I like? Because if you're a man and you're going to be a missionary, odds are you're going to be the preacher. So start analyzing it as something that you're going to be a part of. And then I would say study English, because if you're eventually going to learn a foreign language and you don't know our language properly, you're going to have a hard time of it. But, you know, that's just something you can do. Well, I don't like English. Okay, well, don't be a missionary. I mean, it's okay. Let somebody else do it. But, but if you don't know how to speak English properly, well, then you'll never learn how to speak a foreign language properly. I hate grammar. Okay, well, you're going to start to learn it, learn it one way or another, or you're never going to learn a foreign language. Now, these are just things that you can do. That's all. How do I do all that? Well, you start to apply discipline. That's how you do it. Isn't that the root of the word for discipleship? You start to apply discipline to your daily activities. You make room in your budget for missions. You make room in your schedule for ministry. You start to value the things that help build eternal fruit 
over temporal pleasures. And these are things that you can start doing right now if, if you're really serious. The question you ask yourself is, is God's love for the nations important enough to you? Because if it is, you'll start structuring your life this way. And if you feel that tug on your heart, then what I, I would like for you to do something. Okay, as far as funding the mission and giving your treasures, I'm asking you to fill this out. If you feel like God's tugging on your heart to potentially be the person who relocates, then I'd like for you to do this. When we have our offering in a minute, you just grab one of those connection cards in the pew in front of you, and you make sure your name's on it, and you just write on the back, I'm all in. Now, I'm not just asking you, I'm all in, meaning I love the Lord enough that whatever, but I'm talking about specifically this all, I'm not questioning if you don't fill out a card. I'm not saying that guy didn't say he was in and he acted like he's something. I'm not, none of that. I'm asking for a response, and this is just an easy way to do it. If you are here and feel like, I think God's doing something in my heart to consider the possibility of preparing for a lifetime of missionary work. That's what I'm asking for. Okay, if you don't feel that, that's great. It's okay. It's no problem. But, man, even if you don't intend to be a career missionary, and most of us won't, you know what you still can do? You can still do the things on this list, right? You can still prepare your life in these ways, right, to be more effective. Okay, we have one last thing. I know it's 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, excuse me. This clock hadn't been changed yet. Number three, one last step of application. This won't take long. FBC is the rope holder. Maybe you were here in January. I gave a vision statement, and we took a Sunday, and we talked about uh, holding the rope for others. I want to talk about that for just a minute. Are we all called to help fulfill the Great Commission? Yes, of course we are. How exactly are we going to do that? Well, we can send primarily financially, or we can go physically, right? But either way, we, First Baptist Church, need to be committed to staying connected on whichever side of the rope we find ourselves, correct? We need to hold the rope. So what I'm talking about specifically is this, become dedicated partners in ministry. I'm going to explain. So maybe you're not in a position where you're going to move geographically, but others are. And by the way, can I say... There's no shame in you just living out what God has given you to do. God's given you to stay right here. That's wonderful. That means that's God's plan for you. There's no greater place for you than to be exactly where God wants you. I just, I push for people to go because there are people who, know, who need the push. I understand it's the minority of people. But listen, what you can't do is just choose to not participate at all. You can't do that unless you just choose to be disobedient. So what I'm encouraging you to do is to leverage the position that God has gifted you with. And there's some scripture references here. I'm going to skip the first one in Galatians and just jump down to 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7 says this, verse 20. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. So you all got saved, you're in some level and station of life, and God's called you to be a part of it at some station or level that you're at. That's fine, just stay there. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. See how God works that thing out to be equal? He says you're bought with a price. Be ye not, be not ye the servants of men. In other words, don't live your life for the service of men. Live your life for the service of God. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. Let's jump down to verse 29. Notice, but this I say, brethren, this is what I want you to get. The time is short. We're running out of time, y'all. If you're not paying attention to world events and what's going around around us, listen, y'all, we are nearer the end than ever before. And I know that's logically true, but it's obviously true. The time is short, and it remaineth, notice, that both they, this is a list of things now. This is a weird passage of Scripture for some people. It's actually not that hard. That both they that have wives be as though they had none. Very briefly, if you're married, you have to spend time doing things that single people don't have to spend time doing. In other words, he's saying the time is short, leverage your time. Get it? 
Verse 30, and they that weep as though they wept not. So let's get control of our schedules and time. Let's get control of our emotions. And they that rejoice as though they rejoiced not. Let's not get overwhelmed with pleasure-seeking things. And they that buy as though they possessed not. Let's not get overly consumed with our possessions. And verse 31, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. You know what we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves in doing? We need to use what God has given us in this world for his glory while there's still time. We need to use it. We need to leverage it. Whatever you have at your disposition, you have the ability to leverage it for the kingdom. And whether you leave or whether you stay, the attitude I want you to get is this, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Again, 2 Corinthians, such a practical book. The context is giving, but notice this in 2 Corinthians 8, 13. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. And I'm not going to you know, wring every drop out of you, church, so that everybody else sits back with their feet on the chair and they're like, oh, that's awesome. No, he's not saying that. But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want. What's our abundance? Primarily it's financial, isn't it? And that their abundance also may be a supply for your want because the other peoples of this world have things that we don't have. That there may be equality. And as it is written, he that gathered much had nothing over and he that gathered little had no lack. So we're going to start something new here at First Baptist Church and just hang with me for a couple of minutes and I'll be done. But this is important. Okay, so don't be looking at your watch and don't be put, just give me a minute, okay? We're going to finish. This is important. We're going to start something new here. And this is a way that we're going to apply so that we can be the best missionary that we can be as a church. We're going to develop teams of people that will sacrifice a little more of their time and a little more of their resources holding the rope for a particular missionary. We'll just, you know, I'm, I'm really clever at making up names for things. Ministry tools and training. That's very clever, isn't it? We're going to call this a prayer support team. I like that. That's easy, isn't it? A prayer support team will become the primary rope holders for the particular missionary that they are partnering with. That means that this team will develop a personal relationship with that family communicate with them regularly, know their needs in real time, and pray for them and seek to provide for them as they labor on the front lines. And if you're on a particular prayer support team with a particular missionary family, you may not know that much about all the other missionaries, but you will know your missionary family intimately. And the other teams will report on their missionaries, and you'll get to hear from them as well. Now, I've been praying and thinking about this for a long time, ever since the Horvath surrendered and said they're leaving. And I think that it would be sin for First Baptist Church to not be the best rope holders we could ever possibly be when Cale and Brooke moved to Hungary. They deserve for us to have a team that's team hungry. Now, it can't be the whole church. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to sign up. You want to be a part of a prayer support team for the Horvaths in Hungary on that connection card in the pew in front of you when we have our offering, write down Team Hungary or prayer support team or whatever. But we're only going to ask to set up a few teams at the start. We support a lot of missionaries. But we really want to connect and do a good job with a few. And if there's a lot of you that want to do it, we can expand it. That's fine. We can adjust. So we're only going to offer these things for Hungary and the ministry that's going there, for our brothers in Albania, because we're very connected to them, and that means three specific local churches in Albania, and there's another Albanian serving in the country of Turkey. And I want you to pick, if you want to be a part of these teams, what does it mean? Well, we'll have a meeting and we'll explain it later. I want to be a part, and you can choose whichever one you think you want to be a part of. I want to be a part of Team Hungary. Write your name on the card. Write that on the card. I want to be a part of Team Albania. I want to be a part of Team Turkey. And just write that on there. And then we'll gather them. We'll look at them. We'll talk. If one team has a ton, and one, we'll, just, we'll talk it out. We'll figure it out. 
But I'm going to tell you something. This is going to be an exciting ministry opportunity. And it will require more of your time and more of your resources. You've got to be willing to be a part of this. And if you're going to do that, you'll sign up on the connection card in just a second. But First Baptist Church, we will obey the command of God to participate in the Great Commission. We're going to do it. And so you as individuals just need to decide where you're at, right, where you want to be by faith, and then just go for it. The last couple of verses on your sheet, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. Not as unto men, you do it as unto the Lord. Whatever it is you're going to sign up for, whatever it is you're going to put in that plate, whatever it is you're going to do for the Lord, do it as unto the Lord. Not because anybody's badgering you, not because there's peer pressure. Do it as unto the Lord. That's what we want to see, right? And everybody should sign up for at least one of these things. Everybody should have a faith promise card. Every, some of you should say, well, I'm all in. And some of you will say, well, I'm going to be on one of these teams. But really, y'all, this is about as simple as I know how to make it, to give you real handles so that you can participate. You don't just sit in a room, listen to me, and hope that a few special saints are going to go do something. We're all involved in this thing. We're holding the rope together, you see? So I'm going to pray in just a second, and when I do, we're going we're to have our offering. And so when I pray and the worship team will come up and all that sort of thing, but let me just explain the offering and how we're going to do it.